Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Down the blind, Andrew John. Inside for Elba. Elba will score. Elba will score. Newcastle and one. Australia defeat Samoa 30-10. to 10. What an incredible World Cup we've just witnessed. I'm not going to lie. The first few games, I was like, it's great as an opportunity for these nations to get an opportunity to basically show their nation they play rugby league, exposure, all that great stuff. But as we got into those finals games, she ramped right up and I was fully, fully invested. I just think that this World Cup has been an out of this world success, I think that the impact it's had on everyone, whether it's you know young kids watching Nathan Cleary fight against the critics and say, "Hang on a sec, I'm the best halfback in the world." I don't understand. Like put it this way, Teddy Munster, even Latrell came out and said, "I don't get this this chat about Cleary." Like Teddy said it perfectly at the start of the tournament, he was the best player in the world. By the end of the tournament or before the World Cup final, all of a sudden he can't play in big games. Absolute nonsense, guys. Nonsense. It is done. It is done. Now, you might be sitting there going, oh, but then haven't you said that he needs to own an origin? Rah, rah. That's what we're talking about. If he owns an origin, that's the last piece of the puzzle for greatness, for goatness. That's how far along this guy is. He is a 25-year-old superstar. We'll get into it more in detail because it's, I really want to talk about this in regards to um, Cleary. Samoa's impact in the world has been honestly inspiring. I think it's it's almost brought other nations together, which is beautiful. But Guru, the World Cup, how's it been for you, mate? Yeah, mate, I've loved it. And from a kangaroo's perspective, like I think people forget that you know the last Test match that we played before this World Cup was our loss to Tonga, which was you know an incredible moment in rugby league, but. As a Kangaroo fan, incredibly disappointing at the same time. It was great to see, but it killed me watching the Kangaroos lose like that. So to see them bounce back in this tournament, as you said, can be the fourth in the world coming into this tournament, which was an absolute stitch up. Uh, great to see them uh, sitting back on top of the mountain where they should be. Timmy, how do you feel about the World Cup, mate? Yeah, very proud Australian today, Kempi, and just just good that the the Aussie underdogs were able to come into this tournament. Um, you know, people gave us no hope, ranked fourth in the world, but we were able to sort of fight against the odds and and come out with a, with a, with another title. So very proud of the Aussies, and mate, very proud rugby league fan as well. We put on what was a, a really an unbelievable tournament, and just to see that the bridge gap. Um, from four years or the last World Cup to now between the Tier 1 and the Tier 2 nations, how tightly that's become, how close across the board I think the World, uh, the World Cup was. The final, there's a little bit of a gap in the eventual scoreline, but some of the tight results we saw upsets, very nearly a lot of other upsets as well. Um, I think it's a testament to rugby league that you know, two years of coming through COVID where there wasn't a lot of rep football and international football uh, to produce a tournament such as this with all the class that there was, it was it was pretty amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And people will point to the obvious things like Samoa or, you know, England looking a bit better or New Zealand getting close to Australia. 
But we have to remember, New Zealand squeaked past Fiji and PNG only just lost to Tonga. So you go even a step further and you've got Fiji and PNG. Now, I know PNG in their last game weren't great, but most of the tournament, we've got teams underneath Tonga and Samoa that are nearly there. Mm. So you, you get to a point where there's a chance. Now, I'm not saying it definitely will happen, but there's a chance we go from having, what, four teams that can win it to potentially six by the next World Cup. Uh, with PG and uh, PNG and Fiji. So fr- from a perspective of like the impact of this World Cup and, you know, all the naysayers saying, oh, you know, it'll never work and there's such a big difference. Like, I disagree. Think about it. Like, if PNG, sorry, if Fiji get a call, they knock New Zealand out of the World Cup and play Australia in the World Cup. Uh, in the, if at the start of the tournament, PNG get a few calls their way, they may be sitting in the group in a different place, also much more confident, much more uh, energetic heading into that final game. Uh, England, like, they get a, a call or two. They are in the grand final. Like, it's it's just um, – it's it's incredible what this World Cup has done. And I, I believe it's exceeded our expectations. I really do. From a football perspective, I believe it's exceeded our expectations. And as you said, Kempi, at the start of this World Cup, I had four teams that I thought could win it. Samoa wasn't one of them. So, like, once again, that, that that's expanded out to five now. Like, I'm going to look at Samoa completely differently, to to be honest with you, what I have for the last six years, essentially. Oh, mate. The Samoa story. I will say this. I'm going to let everyone in a little secret. It was absolutely stinging me seeing Aussie say that I don't mind if Samoa wins. I'm just going to say it. Boom. Put it on the table. It was stinging me. And then I was like, maybe I'm too passionate about my country or Australia or whatever. I understand where they were coming from, like, because it is such a good narrative. It's so good for rugby league from a perspective of, like, purely rugby league. But when I was reading those comments and that, I was like, bruh, what's going on? We Like, are you Australian or not? Get behind the boys. Um, but outside of that, I, I understand, the, the, the I guess, the, the reasoning for saying something like that because – the impact of Samoa, I mean, we had The Rock sending videos. We had, I think it's uh, the Dolphins, one of the NFL players sending videos saying, let's go. The the We had, you know, I think it was in Goodna, one of the craziest uh, gatherings of Samoans to celebrate. I mean, they had a bloody police escort. Um, we're talking about a country that has 200,000 people uh, living on it currently, uh, according to the latest data. Uh, um it's mate, it's amazing. It's been such a good World Cup. Uh, now, but let's get into the game quickly. Let's get straight into the game. I think that this is. I'm like almost a bit. I feel like a negative Nancy because we won, and I thought the boys' defense was fantastic. But I also think I thought. Put it this way: the essentially, I think it was a second last try when we went right to Cleary, left to Munster. Inside Tedesco, I nearly climaxed. I nearly climaxed. <laughs> because I was like, finally, Cleary and Munster have had long enough to play together to put stuff like that on. That was a try purely from structure, from picking teams apart with making space where space needs to be made by understanding certain marks. It wasn't a try from Latrell just going absolutely nuts and bouncing someone or Addo Carr's incredible speed, you know, or strength from Liam Martin. It was a try from people playing together. So what what is great for Australia is we won the World Cup, but I don't think we're even close to where we can be with Nathan Cleary, Munster, Tedesco, and Benny Hunt. I want to get into more detail about that uh, that setup as well because it's, it's a really interesting dynamic that I'd love to explain. But Guru, am I being a negative Nancy and should we should just focus on the win? Well, what's going on? No, mate, I agree with you. And I understand people get upset because we are nitpicking a little bit. But, I mean, it, it is genuinely the first time throughout this entire World Cup where they scored a team try where I sat there and went, that's the kangaroo standard. That's what that's what we've been, been expecting of our teams for the last 40, 50 years. So I agree with you, mate. And I love on that play, and I'm sure you'll talk about it more, but from the TV view, you could see it was going to happen, and you knew there was no way to stop it. You just knew that when it was going to go through those four sets of hands, even when Teddy first touched it, he wasn't even through the <coughs> hole yet, and you knew they're not going to get anywhere near him here. It was just – it's the first time we've seen that spine link up like that, and it was very – Smith, Slater, Kronk-esque. It, it was that classic play that we haven't really seen 
something like that in a Kangaroos jersey for quite some time, whether it be COVID or, or, or whatever it is. But it was great to see them finally link up and really look like a true Kangaroos side. Yeah, and it's 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 so unfair because I'm constantly watching the Australian side going, well, the standard is Smith, Slater, Lockie, Thurston, Cronk, Thurston. That's the standard. And we got so used to these guys tearing teams apart when they wanted to that it's unfair to almost put that pressure on a new spine, a completely new spine. What about you, Timmy? Do, do you feel like, although the boys were incredible in defence, I, I, I want to talk about that as well because we talk, we'll talk about that in a sec, but do you feel like we're not even scratching this? Well, we're not close to where we can be in the, in the future years. Definitely, mate. This side has got – there's so much more upside to what they can become once they get more and more time on ground. And, you know, you boys beat me to it. But as soon as that try was scored, it was just Smith, Smith Slater, Cronk. How immaculately they used to put these plays together. The outside in, back inside the Slater as the fullback. The way they put that together was just poetry in motion when it comes to rugby league. And a lot of what Australia did through this tournament was – superstars making superstar plays that you touched on with Luttrell and Teddy and Fox and these sorts of things. But it's that sort of craft and picking sides apart that I think the, the pure footy fans are sitting there going like, this is, what, this is what we have a podcast about, to talk about the intricacies of the game and the way they pull sides apart. And uh, like, it's mastering rugby league to me. Mm, oh, man, absolutely. And like <laughs> even the tiny details that you may have missed, RCG gets on his knees so the ball can go over his head. Like, that is just, ah, bellissimo. Beautiful stuff. Beautiful stuff. Now, I want to talk about the spine. It's something that, like, I, I was kind of feeling going into it, but I didn't give it enough credit. So, I went back and, like, had a look just at the, the last generation that kind of came through. And it was obviously the Queensland generation, that spine of, of Queensland, essentially. And I looked at it and I was like, you know what? what's interesting about that was there was always a clear path of hierarchy. So, like... It would go Lockyer and then he'd pass it on to Thurston and then maybe Thurston to Smith and then Smith to Cronk or, or whatever, like well, Smith stayed on. What I'm saying is there was a clear path of who the guy was that was leading the players around. And I, th- I thought it was like when I looked at Cleary and we were going, okay, some of the – like there was probably two games where you're like, he doesn't really look like he's stamping his authority on the game the way he does in Penrith. But then I took a spe- step back and I go, hang on a sec. Cleary coming into this tournament, and look, when you watch players, we're all guilty of it, and it's it's only natural. But we watch players on TV, and they become larger than life. They they don't they they stop becoming people, and they start becoming ideas in our head of like something bigger than a normal person. We don't think they're not human, but we put them up on a pedestal and go, "Wow, greatness!" But you have to remember, he was twenty four coming into this camp. This is a 24-year-old. So when he was 16, 15, 16, he was watching Ben Hunt, Munster, Tedesco, all these guys tear up the NRL. So he's going into a squad with his seniors. And so to, to expect Cleary to just walk in and go, boys, this is the way I'm doing it, especially when Tedesco is the captain, it's, it's impossible. He's a human being that, that respects hierarchy. It's why, I mean, his humbleness is why he's so loved by so many people is because he doesn't get ahead of himself. He's not too big for his boots. Like even after he'd won the World Cup, he was like, "Oh, mate, still got a lot to do." And he wasn't. He didn't sound um, like he was just lip service. And so I think that didn't get enough credit. Where if you're on the field with James Tedesco and he calls the ball or takes a scoot, are you going to go over to him and say, "Oh, fuck"? When I say get the fucking ball, rah rah. Whereas when we look at the yesteryear, when Lockyer says to Smith or to Slater, "Oi, we're getting right there." Or when Smith says to Cronk or to Slater or to Thurston, oi, we're getting right there. The hierarchy is clear. And they even, I even read a few articles where they said by the end of the tournament, Cleary was talking a lot more in meetings and saying what he wanted and what he didn't want. And that's just a natural progression. So for people that expected Cleary just to walk straight in and run that side like Penrith, they're not appreciating. This is a 24 turning, <clears throat> just turned 25-year-old showing respect to his elders and people that have been there before him. And also, you could argue like, okay, Teddy's the captain, but is Munster the man? Is Benny Hunt the man? Like, it's it's very, it's it's a really interesting dynamic. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on on I guess that, and I guess how you felt Cleary answered the critics in the in the grand final. I also think something that we need to consider off the back of that, Kempi, is like. You go back to um, 2006, and me and Maddie spoke about this the other day, the Anzac Test. That was Andrew Johns' last Test match and Danny Badiris' last Test match. 
from that day until essentially the day Billy Slater retired, the entire spine has been Queenslander. Whether it was Billy Slater, Darren Lockyer, Thurston, Cronk, whoever these guys are. So for the last 15 years of Test Match footy, whenever we get to a Tri-Nations or a World Cup, you've got this spine, the vast majority of them are playing club football together. The rest of them are playing rep football together. So they get six weeks smack in the middle of the season, get all their structures, get used to each other. This team, this Kangaroos team, you think about it, you've got the two hookers, they're Queenslanders, the 5 eights are Queenslanders, the halfbacks are blue and the, and the, and the fullbacks are blue. None of them play in the same football team except for Harry Grant, who plays 30 minutes off the bench, and Cam Munster. Like, we haven't been in this situation as a kangaroo side in a very long time, which is unbelievable to think about. But, And this is why the three of us were so big on, why aren't we playing our fulls team? Why aren't we playing our best spine now? Because they need all the time in the world to get themselves ready. You also think about, and you know, as you mentioned Nath Cleary, 24-year-old coming into this camp. Normally when you come into a World Cup camp, you might be one of four debutants. He was one of 13. Yeah. Like it's it's a compl- yep. it's an unprecedented situation off the back of COVID where you've got so many debutants in this side, a 24-year-old halfback coming in to lead this team with a 5'8". He's never played a game of football with. A hooker, he's never played a game of football with. Two hookers, he's never played a game of football with. It's... It's a pretty unique situation. I do just think we need to take that into consideration as well, obviously. Yeah, I totally agree. And and, and just to add on to your point, not only were, were it the Queenslanders playing together, they had they were under the storm system. Yep. Like that Queensland side played like the storm. Like it's that simple. And so like obviously Lockie would bring his, you know, touches into it or whatever, but he fell into, okay, well, if I'm going to be the leader, let's play this kind of way. Um, and so they had so much time to play together. I actually think it's um, – I don't think Cleary's going to get enough appreciation. I know people are saying that he played really well in the grand final. He was personally my man of the match, just pipped Tedesco, in my opinion, even though Tedesco was outstanding. But I just thought the weight of expectation, the way he finished the game, I just gave it to Cleary. But I actually think that he deserves even more raps for his ability. What did he end up playing? Four full games? And yeah. by the end of the fourth full game in a World Cup at Old Trafford with massive pressure on him, like articles coming out saying he's been a dud, blah, 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 at Old Trafford. And it's not just like Old Trafford to him, uh, you know, he's a soccer fan as well, is massive deal. He comes out and puts on a performance like that. Like, I, I just think it's incredible. It's a testament to we're watching greatness. We, we are truly watching greatness. Honestly, even if he doesn't go on to, to have his origin series like Joey did 2005, Freddie, rah, rah. Even if he doesn't do that, he's still one of the best sevens to play the game, in my opinion. Like, I just, I can't, unless he gets injured or he just completely checks out, I can't see a world where this guy doesn't win at least another premiership, multiple origin series, 25 years old, and he just turned 25. It's incredible. This guy, guys, just whether you love him or hate him, I don't know how you can hate Cleary, but whatever. Sit back and realize that we are in greatness right now. We're sitting in. It's, it's like when we used to watch Joey, or you know, when Lockie is coming through, you kind of take it for granted. You're sitting there going, "Oh yeah, how good's Lockie?" Right, right. You don't realize that you're watching greatness until it's gone. The, the, even the Queensland eight in a row, like I feel like we didn't appreciate it enough because we're sitting there going, "We that was that will never happen again." Timmy, what do you reckon about the whole situation? Yeah, mate, and like despite all this, the phenomenal external pressure that was on him to come in here and be the best player in the tournament and dominate and lead us to victory, as a as I said, when he was coming into the tournament at 24 years old, at least to to the public eye, he didn't even know if he was going to be the starting seven in the big games. It was all Cleary v DC and all of that. Let alone he has to come in in his debut test and try and steer them to victory and be the hero and do all of these things. And the other thing we forget is that. As I said, when you talk about his age, most football players, and especially halves, who need to learn the art of getting a team around the park, and as you said, Kempi, that natural progression of leading you know, elder players, people that have more experience than you, that you have to do as a halfback, you don't peak as a half until your late 20s. I would love to hear all the best, the Cooper Cronk, um, you know, Joey Johns, all these blokes talk about, when do you think you played your best footy and when do you think you really learnt the game? I think they'd all say, you know, 29, 30 years old, they would all definitely say that they didn't master or get close to mastering the art of, of the craft of playing half. They can get inside around until they retire, and you're always learning that. So, clearly, the best is still to come from him, and I'm very confident in saying that. And as far as this Australian team goes, 
As you said, Kempi, he's got the cohesion with him now. He has games under the belt with this, this side, and uh, we've got a lot of exciting football to come with that bloke. The, the play that stood out for me with Cleary was when Angus Crichton got the ball out the back. Stephen Crichton came up and put a really good shot on him. And he could see Nathan Cleary, he was a dummy half the play before in front of the sticks, and he sprinted round to the other side of the ruck and just he knew he had Latrell there. And he just went, I just need to put him in that space where Stephen Crichton should be. And it was the first time I've gone, okay, he owns this fucking team. That's something that Joey would have done. Joey would have identified that that defender was out of the line in the play of the ball. That's where the ball needs to go right now. And he didn't, he didn't have to do too much, but he had to put himself in the right spot and get the ball there as quickly as he possibly could. And they were never going to stop Latrell. Even then, like he played pretty deep into the line. There were blokes turning oh. hips. In. I think it was, was it Milf. Milf turned his hips in, maybe yep. straight to him. It's like Cleary after sprinting to the other side of the field. He drew in defenders. Like it wasn't just a simple see it, give him the ball. He, he had a lot to do. Like oh. it was, it was great oh. to see him finally own that team. Mm. Oh, absolutely. I, I totally agree, boys. And and. I was screaming, I'd see him, kick it, God, fuck, kick it, because it was a fifth tackle. <laughs> I'm screaming, pressure, build the fucking pressure. <laughs> what do I know about rugby league? Like, so it's, the thing is, it's like, that, that wasn't fucking third play. That wasn't third play where, oh, let's, let's try something. That's start of the game. If he hits Latrell there and Latrell gets tackled, oh, fuck me, Cleary, you're one of the best kickers we've ever seen. Put it in the fucking in goal and get a repeat set. But he, he had the confidence at Old Trafford in his first ever World Cup, his fourth game for Australia, to take the, as you said, Guru, to say, I'm wrapping round and I'm making a fucking play and it's and I'm happy to take the negative, whatever happens with it. Uh, it just, he was outstanding. Some of his defense too has been really good. Like, he's just, yeah, he's so impressive. I, I love watching him play. Um, it's actually funny, so... I'm watching the. I'm watching. I watch, got to watch it on like my big screen this time. Usually, I have to watch it um, on my phone because I'm a really good husband that takes my wife places. <laughs> oh, this um, poor guy! Don't take your feel <laughs> yeah, for him. Like, Travelling around Europe, yeah, watching on his phone. Yeah, it's been tough. It's been tough, and hopefully, the the wife appreciates you know how well I've treated her. Um, <laughs> anyway, so I got to this time. I was like to the wife. I was like, look, it's the grand final. You need to go and get your nails done. Have a good time. I'm going to put it on the TV. Sit back and enjoy it. <laughs> anyway, so I'm fucking yelling at TV. Go, you fucking mad dog. <laughs> yelling at TV. As I walk out after the game, the people next door walk out at the same time. And they were like looking at me like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? <laughs> um, so I was into it, loving it. What, what another thing I love about this, the World Cup, is that it gives us an opportunity to love players from other clubs. Perfect example. Oh, How many people fucking love Jackie Whiten and Liam Martin right now? Like two players like Jackie Whiten, honestly, I I am a believer to the nth degree now. As I said last week, there was a time there where I was like, he's a good player, but is he that tippity top cream of the crop kind of guy? And I just think not only this Origin Series that he didn't get selected in for game three, but sorry, boys, I won't bring that up. Um, <laughs> not only the Origin Series... But this World Cup for me has just cemented that it doesn't matter where you... And to be fair, for Game 3, I did say they should have Jackie White on the bench. But doesn't matter where you have him. He is being your... He, he could play front row. Seriously, that's mm. how much faith I have in Jackie White. And I know it sounds crazy. I'm not saying start front row. I'm saying come on and get the job done. I thought he was incredible. Liam Martin, it's just given us... gives you like. I think we forgot that feeling of like, oh, I can actually really like this player that plays for Penrith or plays for Eels or plays for whoever it is. And I just loved watching that and seeing people react that way. Did you? What, what did you? Who was your, I guess, unsung hero this, uh, this World Cup? I'll just, I'll just jump in quickly. Not, not just clubs, but Origin as well. Like, it's the first yeah. time as a Blues fan I can really sit back and enjoy watching Cameron Munster when I really mm. want to enjoy him all the time. So it's a yeah, great point. Such a good up. point. It's a great point. Like seeing the mad, seeing the mad dog do his thing, stripping, fucking doing all this, just breaking games apart. And oh. usually you're sitting there going, "Fuck me, stop <laughs> doing that monster." Whereas now you can be like, "Go, you mad dog." Exactly, <laughs> mate. I think for me, my unsung hero is the other guy you spoke about, Liam Martin. Uh, we've been banging on on this podcast for so long about just how good Liam Martin is and how underappreciated he is. Uh, man of the match in the semi final. Um, I was talking to Matty before. Matty said that he would have given him man of the match in the grand final, which I can understand. He was sensational. He, he was in my top two, top three players. So to see Liam Martin finally get <laughs> some recognition, I don't know how it evades him so consistently for so long. But when I think about his last 
you know, three big games. The NRL Grand Final, he was tremendous. I think he played himself into this team off the back of that to then get man of the match in the semi and to be one of the best players on the field in the Grand Final. Uh, he's my unsung hero, mate. I love watching Liam Martin. Oh, I agree, 100%. Matter of fact, I'll go as far to say as he wasn't in my starting 13. It was Cam Murray, Angus Crichton, and Isaiah Yo at 13. And I would, honestly, it would be one of my most staunchest, staunch selections where I wouldn't even consider budging even though he was outstanding in the grand final and he had a good final series as well. But now I'm like, you know, as we discussed, we were all a bit Cam Murray off the bench. But I have to say Mal Meninga, and when we identified it a few weeks ago, the the idea of like, okay, yes, Cam Murray is a great player. And yes, you do probably want him on for 80 minutes. But the impact he can have through the middle is fucking invaluable. And he proved it two games in a row with huge plays. Um, and so Liam Martin, um, uh, just amazing. And he's just, he's such a mongrel. He had some big hits again in the grand final. It's just, I, I, he's going to be a player that is almost, you know, those like really, cult, not cult hero because he's bigger than that, but those those mongrels that we love and we just know he's going to, he's almost like a, a a clean mongrel. He doesn't he doesn't really get involved in any, too much of niggle, unless you watch the some of the origin stuff, but I won't get into that as a, as a Queenslander. <laughs> He's the um, sort of guy, Kempi, that I think if this Australian squad was picked the week before the NRL Grand Final and Liam Martin wasn't in it, I don't think too many people would have been upset. I really don't. It was yeah, after the agreed. Grand Final that everything turned. I remember having conversations with heaps of followers that didn't have Liam Martin in their, in their squad, not their 17, their squad, because there were so many classy back rowers going into it. You remember, like, there was all the talk about Sean Lane, Hudson Young, all these sort yeah. of guys that... Nanai. Nanai, yeah, all these people. Like, we, a, a lot of us had Liam, uh, them in front of Liam Martin, and it was, I think it was after the grand final. I think he genuinely played himself into this squad and then somehow played himself into the starting side to move Cam Murray to the bench. It's incredible. Timmy, who was your uh, unsung hero? I think the one for me, um, and it was similar to Maddie's point of like, probably more along the lines of someone that I could appreciate because we were outside of NRL level, and <coughs> and it's Val Holmes being a Queenslander who, it's like so you know you get you get brought up to say you dislike people or teams or whatever it might be. You don't hate them, but I hate Queensland. So to be able to, <laughs> so to be able to watch. The the guy like Cam Munster and Val Holmes, and just to be able to appreciate of how good they are. Val Holmes, I think because our left edge of Latrell and Fox was so dominant, they got a lot of the a lot of the, the accolades and the talk was all about that, and rightly so. The right edge, yeah, they Val and Jackie White and didn't have probably as much ball, but they had a few moments. But Val Holmes He's just turned into such a complete outside back. And when I say turned into, he has been for a long time. We know this, but he just doesn't make mistakes. His defensive read just about every single time is sublime. He doesn't fall off tackles. He can switch between wing, centre and fullback and be one of the best in the world at any of those three positions. On top of that, he's a tremendous goal kicker. Val, I just my appreciation for him this World Cup went to a whole new level. He, it was brilliant. Oh, mate, I totally agree. The amount of tough carries. Like, what I loved about the side is... You had the you had uh, Latrell and Fox, who were the. It's funny. I think Wayne used to be like this at the Broncos, where we'd have one side that was just strike, like just absolute incredible strike, and then you had this other side that had strike in them, but just get through the dirty work. And I just think the White and Holmes, they had as much impact on the World Cup, in my opinion, as Latrell mm. and Addo Carr. But it's impact that you're not going to see on the highlight reels. Like for example, Samoa had us under pressure. Who was the bloke that sprinted back to the 20, hit Val Holmes on that short ball? It was Jackie White to Val Holmes. And and that's something that, like, these are the little one percenters. Like, Val Holmes doesn't have to be there. If he's not there and Jackie White takes that hit up, everyone just goes, oh, mad, mad hit up from Jackie White. And, and, and the play goes on. He takes a scoot after that. But he hit that ball like he was already calling for it, like it was a, a set play. <laughs> now, maybe it was. Maybe at training they had sat down and said, if there is a quick 20, centers and wingers, you must be there. That turned the game on its head. And I'm not saying that Samoa would have gone on a win, but I tell you what, if they had got the 40-20 call, which they should have got, and White, Jackie Whiten doesn't make that play, what's the score? Is it 30-10? to 10? I don't think so. Yeah, I, I think one, that 
There was one Kempi, sorry? sorry to cut you off, mate. Um, yeah. no, um, in a similar regard with Val, and, and I'm pretty sure it was in the semi against the Kiwis, but I had a jot and down, didn't speak about it. Might have been the quarter, but I'm, I'm pretty certain it was against the Kiwis. And Val, I think, a bomb went up and he was sort of up in the line and he, he flew back because it was Teddy's to catch. You know, Teddy drops one in about 4,000 bombs. And I can't remember if he let it bounce or if he, he went to take it and bounced backwards or something. But for whatever reason, Teddy stuffed it up. And Val had come a mile off his wing just to be there, just in case Teddy stuffed it up. He saved a play, saved a try, and just, as you said, such an enormous turning point in that game. Uh, but little things that just go completely overlooked. Yeah, absolutely. And, and take it back to Origins. Sorry, boys, but I think you did a chip, <laughs> and it looked like it looked like New South Wales scoring for sure, and the game would have been completely different. Val Holmes did one of the best pickups I've ever oh. seen on a footy field, just sliding in and, and getting clattered by like three blues players and holding onto the ball. He's just that, as you, you, you've talked about it perfectly, Timmy, it's like he was a superstar before he left, but now he's rounded out his game to be like, I'm a, I'm a class above. Plus I'll give you all those one percenters, all those one percenters that usually battlers give you. Usually the, the, the selling point for a battler is I'm not going to make mistakes. I'm going to get through a ton of work. Whereas Val Holmes is going to go, I'm going to give you that. Plus, there's more. I'm a superstar. It's incredible. Incredible stuff. Can, can I just throw um, in one other guy, Kempi, sort of underappreciated, undervalued, and we've been speaking about it for two years, but it happened once again. I was looking through – I can't remember which publication it was, but they went through and they named each player for the Kangaroos and gave them a rating for their World Cup. Whoever it was, Isaiah Yo got a 7.5, right? When you have a look at Isaiah's last two weeks, so this is semi-final and final, he made 86 tackles with zero miss and ran for 300 metres. <laughs> Can you imagine if a debutant or a young guy would have come in and done that? They would have got a 9 out of 10, but we are so used to what Isaiah Yo does week in, week out, that we just take it for credit constantly. Me and Matty were talking about this earlier today. It's the same as, you know, if James Tedesco does what he does every single week, it's an 8. But if a young guy comes in and plays the same game as Teddy... It's a fucking 11. Yeah. <laughs> With Isaiah, oh, yo, mate. we just sleep on him constantly. I couldn't believe the 7.5. Well, get, this is even crazier, and I, um, I think it's correct. He didn't miss a tackle or tournament. Yeah. <laughs> and, he, and he averaged, he averaged <laughs> over 40 what? tackles a game. And does that surprise <laughs> anyone? <laughs> like, honestly, That's like, it's Isaiah, yo, this is what he does. Oh, mate. And the amount of tough cat, like, he doesn't take the like, oh, quick play the ball, I'm out the back, I'm getting a tip on from a front rower. He takes some of the shittest hit-ups you can take. And every time he splits the line, like, I just, I don't care what anyone says. There's not a soul on this earth that when they first saw Isaiah come into grade would develop into such a complete 13. Like, if he keeps this form up, like, is he like? Is he getting up there like with some of the better thirteens? Like, I'm not going to you know put him in with the, the, the goats or whatever. But fuck me, back to back premierships, World Cup wins, part of the record win by New South Wales. Now he has a long way to go in regards to you know putting all the stats up. But fuck me, I'll put it this way: you pick your best thirteen on their best day. Chuck Isaiah Yo on his best day. He'd hold his own at the very least, in my opinion. Like, if, if he plays his best, which he has been playing for a few years now, plus he's so consistent. Like, tell me, over the last few years, have you ever seen Isaiah play a bad game or negatively impact a game? Like, no. just, just to clarify, it was, it was not miss a tackle in the finals of the World Cup. So, like, the last three games. Wow. The last three games. Oh, That's got, crazy. Yeah, I've got – he missed – he missed one tackle against Italy <laughs> in five games. No, that was, no, no, no. The stat man missed something. The stat man's fucking <laughs> chucked it on there. Thinking it was like, yeah, you know why? Because all the fucking numbers are all fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> it, was bloody the, it was bloody one of the wingers that missed a tackle and it's gone on Isaiah's record. He could have broken a record. First bloke ever to not miss a tackle. Can we just talk about these numbers? Because <sighs> I'm telling you, it fucking made me furious. You want to talk about ruining a viewing experience? It is honestly one of the worst content decisions I've ever seen in my life. The, the amount of times I didn't know who the fuck was running the ball. And I'm, we're, we're talking about, I don't know about you guys, but 
like I watch rugby league as much as anyone, and I'm sitting there going, "Oh, who was that? Or who's that? Who's in that position?" If if they ever do this again, we should all riot. Put it that way. <laughs> we should all riot. We should. We you know what? If they do this again, we should storm the Australian rugby league capital. Kempi, I'm keen nah. as fuck to lay the shoe in over this, but I'm just going to take you back to Isaiah for a quick second. How many games do you reckon he played at lock before 2020 in his career? Oh, no, maybe four or five? Nine games. So he only started playing in his mm. best position three years ago, and he's already the best in the game at it. Can you imagine? Like, he's been playing first grade since 2014 or something. Can you imagine if he would have come straight into first grade and gone straight to the lock position? Like, he, he's played he's played more games at second row than he has at lock in his career. It's um, If he would have started from the very start at lock and, like, had that extra five years to really own that position, it's scary what he could have achieved. He played a bit of centre too early on, didn't he? He played 25 games of centre, yeah. 90 games in the back <laughs> row before he became a lock. So he played 100 games of first grade before he found his position. And, and what's it's just incredible about his, his series is I don't even think they used his ball playing close mm. to what they usually do. So he said, okay, there's a different setup. Teddy obviously gets involved quite a lot around the ruck there. I'm going to deliver something. Like talk about a well-rounded player where you can go, oh, my biggest weapon that has won us two premierships in a row, three grand finals in a row. I'm just going to put that in the pocket and I'm going to give you something else. It's incredible. And just to add on to that, when he was playing in the back row, he played 90 games, 148, lost 42. When playing lock, 77 games, he's 164 and lost 12. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> That's, That's outrageous. Incredible. Outrageous. Um, now let's talk about big Trelly Mitt Nato Car. Oh, man, Muller Fox. <laughs> Talk about showstoppers. Talk about, you know, it was almost poetic in the sense that a few weeks ago we discussed how, yeah, Adokar isn't the bigger body, but he offers you something else that bigger bodies can't offer you, and it's absolutely electric speed. And some people like to say, oh, yeah, but he's only fast. It's like, okay, Manu Vadovai was only big. Like, what are we talking about here? That, that Like, it's a good thing. Um, Adokar, his tournament has been absolutely electric. I think it's been one for the ages for a winger. Um, maybe, you, you know, Val Holmes' last one, last World Cup, you could say he was as good as. I just think that Adokar, the things that he did this World Cup, the excitement that he brought, if you could put in the dictionary like classical winger, it would be Adokar's uh, World Cup series because even like to break the game open the way he did, Give the ball to Teddy. He's got like he's going for the record. He's going for the record of tries, but he says he, he most likely would have gassed Suwili on the outside, but he gives it to Teddy the way he did. It's uh, just the Fox is a superstar. He, he's one of my favorite wingers of all time. He's right, in my opinion, he's right up there with Wendell for me. Wendell's probably still the goat, maybe. I don't know. I think he's one of the better wingers of all time in, uh, out of car, and I think he's proven it over and over again. Uh, thoughts on the big trailing mitten at Car? Just to show on Ado Car just how good his World Cup was, if you, if you break down the numbers, during this World Cup, he averaged two tries per game. He averaged 184 metres per game, seven tackle breaks and 2.5 line breaks per game. Now, keep in mind, he only scored one try in the last two weeks as well. <laughs> but he set up a few. I mean, he set up that try for James Tedesco. He also set up one for Angus Crichton that you thought was going to be a try for all money that was knocked on at the last second. Can be as you said a few weeks ago, and I, I know it's hard to compare him and Wendell because they're such different wingers. Like they're not. It's almost like they played two different positions based on how differently they played the position. So it's impossible to compare these guys. But right, you said it a few weeks ago that he might be one of the greatest wingers of all time. I'm I'm not sure how many wingers could have achieved what he's achieved at this World Cup. I know they don't give a player of the tournament, or maybe they'll do it. Maybe they do, and they'll do it over the next few weeks, knowing how it's all played out. But. Could you possibly argue that anyone was better than him at this World Cup? Mm. I thought he was he hands down. Hands down, the best player at the World Cup. And I cannot believe I'm saying that about a winger because I never thought I would. But the difference between what Fox did to any other winger is that he did half his magic through the middle of the field. And yeah. it was like he came in looking for it. And it was doing like a fullback's work, essentially, and getting in involved and setting up tries and, and carving him through the guts. So it's like... He was more than a, just a true... He, he didn't just score his tries on the end of a back line and diving over. Like, he did 
nearly every one of his tries were unbelievable. Ran the field a few times. I think I think it was definitely the player of the World Cup. And considering Australia didn't play earlier in the year, pretty unlucky for Golden Boot. And like you have a look at that try that he scored against New Zealand, which I personally think we were reasonably lucky to get away with a win in that game. Is there any other winger in the history of rugby league that would have scored that try of catching that Ben Hunt bomb on the full at top pace to get there? Like, that was incredible. Not only that he pulled it off, but nearly every winger I've ever seen sees that kick go up and it becomes a defensive play and they go, oh, I will wait and hold back just a touch and whack Geordie Rapana as he catches, do the right thing, what the coach probably wants to do. He's just gone nuts. Just backed himself to fly onto it and take it and score one of the more important tries of his career. And you could tell that Jordan Rapana was going, oh, well, fuck it, he won't catch it. Yeah. He'll just deal with it once it bounces. Then he just took it on the full. It was unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, it's it just he's had an incredible series. And what's crazy is we're not even talking about his best try. Matty Burton through the legs, back oh. inside, kicks it on his bad foot so he should be grubbing it out. It somehow stays in and, and the Buller Fox gets there. Incredible stuff from Josh Adokar and... A, I think, you know, like I know it's a long time away and, and all that kind of stuff, but as, as we viewed on the social media, the energy that he was bringing, on the field, the energy that he was bringing, like, you know, the, the, the Aussies are, we'll get into this now, actually, like there was talk about, oh, the Aussies aren't as passionate. The Aussies aren't as passionate as Samoa. And it's like, they're different cultures that show, show express themselves differently. But you you watch Fox run out there. You telling me he's not as passionate as any player in the whole World Cup? Come on now, come on now. So um, I think that like what what I what I do love really loved about the Australians' performances, like really loved, was as I said, there was a lot of chat about like. Because Australia, the big side, big dog side, everyone was behind Samoa, and Australia doesn't have the same passion, and, and they don't care about it as much. And Aussies, uh, this, that, and the next thing. I thought they represented us Aussies perfectly because they made errors, especially in that second half. They completed fifty percent. But what do Aussies do? We're battlers in defence. We battle all day. We take care of the things that are the tough things. That's what that's what being Australia is about: is being there for your mate. Always, always. Whenever your mate needs you, you turn up. Every time there was a break, how many green and gold jersey did you be streaming across? In normal games, there would have been three or four line breaks by Samoa and potentially a try. First one, I think it was Harry Grant comes flying across and jams uh, maybe Palame over the edge. The second one, Tedesco times it perfectly, stays back, sees the line break, Tracks Jerome Luai and and waits waits for the perfect time to hit Luai as he gets the ball and jams him over the sideline. I thought that you know as I, as everyone knows this in this podcast, I have such admiration for the Samoan side, the passion they showed or whatever. But I think Australia was just as passionate and showed what Australia was all about, and that's being there for your mates and never never backing down, especially in defence. I thought Australia were. It was their best defensive effort by a mile, and they represented our country. Suit like couldn't be more proud of the way they represented it. Gurit, yeah, I agree, mate. And I, I know we've already spoken, man, but I, I thought Liam Martin he just personified that this entire World Cup. You mentioned too, Josh Adokar, like on the field and off the field, mate. I've spent the last six weeks watching every bit of content that's coming out of the Kangaroos Hotel, waiting for Josh to jump out of a fucking cupboard, watch him jump out from <laughs> around a corner, jump in from a window. It has been unreal, and you, you were really heavy on it, to, to, to your credit, Kempi, during the Origin series, that Fox is one of those guys that even if there's another guy that you can select that might be as good or better during the game, it's the energy that he brings during the week and all that sort of stuff, and fuck, if it's not evident how important he was throughout that six weeks over in England, <laughs> I don't know what, what more to say. Yeah, it's it, he has... Again, I know it's a while away, but... Put him in in permanent marker. He's on the sting. He's on the pick and swing for New South Wales. And as we've discussed, that is no knock on the absolutely incredible wingers New South Wales have to select from. But he's got to be one of your first picked. He's got to be one of your first picked. Um, in, thoughts, Timmy, in regards to, you know, I guess there was a bit of chat about Australia not being as passionate, rah-rah. Were you as proud as I was in regards to the way they carried themselves as, you know, what Australia's all about? Oh, of course, mate. And it's, you know, 
As you said, they're, they're the big dogs of the tournament. They're, they're always going to get going in as pretty heavy favourites, a lot of criticisms in just about every single different area that you can. But, um, you know, they, they might not... <laughs> They might not be as, as vocal as some other nations and in di- celebrating what look as passionate ways, but they wanted to win that tournament just as much as anyone else out there. And, you know, while on field they probably weren't, as we spoke about, as clinical as we'd hoped they'd be, they were so professional in just every asset, every like every little nook and cranny of their footy was so professional on and off the field. Um, there was a tight semi-final, but I thought we got through the tournament pretty comfortably. Uh, and just on Fox, I think it's so exciting now that a new element to his game has cropped up of playing in through the rock. I can't wait to see what Cameron Serrata gets out of him because we've seen him dominate on the wing for many years and he'll continue to do so. But I think we're going to see a new part of his game off the back of the success of the World Cup. Yeah, agreed. And to be honest, like if I'm more convinced that he probably could be a captain. Whereas before I was like, oh, I want him to be the rogue. I want him to be that. But I, I kind of feel like, how could you not pick him now after the yeah. impact he's had on the, mm. you know, is there a way to like, so he doesn't have to deal with all the bullshit press conferences or whatever. Is there a way to like, just keep him happy all the time? I don't know. But um, yeah, just amazing. Let's talk about big Chelly mid. <laughs> Bruh. How many times does he have to do it? How many times does he have to just go, I'm going beast mode and flipping a game on its head through pure and 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 it's, it was almost poetic. Like Suwali'i, the game's next big superstar, big, tall, strong, absolutely skittling blokes all tournament. And big Trelly Mitt goes, look, you are the game's next superstar, but I'm OG, baby. I'm the OG <laughs> at 25 years old, at 25 years old. See, Trelly Mitt's almost like, I've been there, but... I'm still the big dog around here, baby. Big bump off. Suli goes down. Try time. And then Trelly Mitt getting up, just doing these ones like, oh, my God, I went off in my room. I just – it's it's bizarre because Trell Mitt, in my opinion, Latrell Mitchell, is one of the greatest centers of all time, period, bar none. Bar none. Like, he's up there with English for me. Like, if, if I had to select English first – put it this way. If there was a game that said English first – Latrell, I don't know who would get the upper hand. That's how good he is as a center. Like, if you go back and look at some of the stuff he has done at center, it is just absolutely phenomenal. Like, he turns game on his head. And we often, like, Greg Inglis, obviously, right now, for me, he's still the greatest outside back of all time. I think he's the greatest outside back, not fullback specifically or whatever. Uh, To be honest, he might be one of the greatest players in regards to he could literally play any position. But I just think that because the trail mid is, is a bit more polarizing or whatever, he still probably maybe doesn't get put in that conversation. But I, I think the jury is out. I, I, I would back Latrell Mitchell against any center that's ever played the game. Maybe not to win, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't be betting against him. That's for sure. Am I going crazy here, Guru? What do you reckon? No, I don't think so, mate. And I, I actually, you know, I agree. I think Latrell Mitchell is the best center in the world right now, hands down. I don't think there's any question about that. And I don't think, I don't think there's an opposing centre anywhere in the world that's a big enough challenge for Luttrell. I, I would love to put him one-on-one, as you said, with GI. And I, I know people get upset when you compare GI to Luttrell, but when I do it, I'm complimenting Luttrell. It's not it's not in a negative fashion at all. And similar to GI, Luttrell just sits there and goes, mate, talk shit all you want about me. When the bright lights are on, I'm going to fuck everyone up. <laughs> and once again, yeah. he stands and he delivers in another big moment. And it makes you realise once again, you know, he's 25 doing these things. When he was doing these things in a grand final four years ago, three years ago, he was a 20-year-old. And, you know, as I said, like, there isn't a challenge out there that's big enough for Latrell at centre, so I'd love to bring GI back. In my opinion, when, when Latrell was doing those things, probably the biggest challenge in our game as far as the centre went was, was Will Chambers. And I love Will Chambers. Latrell made him look fucking silly for those two years. Like, it is just, yeah. it's incredible what this guy's capable of doing. Throw on top of that, he, like, he, he pretty much didn't have a full preseason this year. He then had the injury through the middle of the year. He pissed off to America for a few months. Like, it's been it's been the complete opposite of the sort of stable year you'd like to see Latrell have. If he can have a full season next year where he gets a full preseason, he's ready and raring to go. Like, he, he, you think about it the next World Cup, he's going to be 28. He might be at his prime, maybe, then. 
it's just it's insane. The only center that's it's ever really. I mean, Jimmy Roberts had a good battle one off with him, but probably Joey Manu is the yep. only one in the centers that I would say. But I would still I would still go Latrell at center over Joey Manu. Um, in, but like I still think Latrell has done more so far in the game in regards to these huge, huge moments. That may be a bit unfair because you could say, well, Joey Marnie hasn't had the opportunity to play Origin, so of course you're going to say that. But Latrell Mitchell, for me, as I said, he is just absolutely amazing. And I just, it is time after time. Like every time you think, oh, this might be the tournament where Latrell Mitchell doesn't absolutely explode. He'll have a bit of a quiet one. Every All the people that don't like Latrell are going to come out and put shit on him as they always do. And then every time he just goes, nah. No, I'm when I want to turn the game on its head and people like the thing is, is it's one thing to play a good game because you're just constantly always trying to play a good game. It's another thing to choose when you want to turn the game on its head. He chooses. He chooses. It's it's like when I if I ever played a good game, obviously I'm not fucking with Tromature. It wasn't a choice. It was almost luck to a degree. Like I certain things happened and then I got the, the bounce of the ball. Latrell Mitchell literally goes, "I'm the game is in the balance. I'm going to do something incredible, and he does something incredible." Um, thoughts on on Trolley Mitt, uh, Timmy? Yeah, I think he in that sort of twenty twenty one Origin series was like a probably a coming of age where he got to the point where he went for the first time. All right, and he did he'd achieved a lot prior to that series, but that he went, I'm not just like as good as these big stars in the game goes. I'm better than them, and when I want to be, I can do whatever I want on this this footy field. And we've been void of big games for Latrell since that point because he missed the final series in 2021 through suspension. He then missed the Origin Series this year through injury. A couple of big finals games for the Bunnies this year, yes, but I just wanted to see him since that 2021 Origin. Once you was like, I am, you know, when I want to be, could be the best player in the world. And in this World Cup final, this was the big stage to do it. And he was just, like, toying with them. When he wanted to score, it was like, get out of my way. Like, you're not stopping me. And it was, geez, it was good to watch. And, mate, you'd almost oh, have that so feel throughout the whole World Cup. People have said, mm. oh, he's been quiet. The bloke outside him almost broke the record for most tries <laughs> in the World Cup. Do you not think that has anything to do with the force that's inside him? Oh. Even if he doesn't touch the ball, just, like, you just know that defense is no fuck. We have to two-man Latrell. I'll take a punt on Fox. Maybe we'll ma- manage yeah. to get him, but we have to two-man Latrell. And, but think about it as well as not only was his winger essentially breaking records for try scored, he also did amazing things. Usually when the winger has a try scoring record or equals it, the center is relatively quiet on individual stats. Latrell Mitchell not only set Adokar up a fair amount of times with some beautifully timed ball playing, but he also had huge moments himself, like massive moments. I mean, the semi-final, he saved at least two tries with incredible defense. It's another part of his game as well that just doesn't get rated. His tackle efficiency for the World Cup, I think it's around 96 to 97%. At center. At center. Like, this is a guy that didn't play center all year. This is how talented this guy is. It is fucking, it's just such a pleasure to watch him play. And him and Fox, like, what an iconic duo. Like he they're the two the guys that when I have kids, when I have a young beak or a young BKS running around, <laughs> I'll be telling them about Fox and Ado Car. Like, oh, back in my day, you should have seen <laughs> Bala Fox, Chelly Mitt down the sideline. That these young kids now playing, they got nothing on Fox and, and Chell Mitt <laughs> playing for Australia. Um Absolutely pleasure to watch. Pleasure to watch. I think for me, can be still my favourite moment of this entire World Cup when it comes to Latrell was when they played Lebanon and it was early in the game and the young centre Brad Morkus just make a one-on-one tackle and Latrell was pissed off. And you could, and from that moment on, Josh Adokar scored a try every two or three minutes. He scored a try himself. Like It just shows the competitive nature. He's playing Lebanon. He knows he's the best player on the field by far and away. Someone makes a one-on-one. Someone does their job. That's it. Someone does their job, and you can tell how much it pissed him off. I love that about him. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And uh, even um, even even the game, the 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 World Cup final, he was close to like if if uh, Swilly doesn't come up, slide across and hit him with his hips, which is fine. I got no issue with that. You got to try and stop a tackle. He would have scored another try purely off a hit up yep. through front, like through forwards. Mm. Again, that's just him going. Oh, boys, do you need something? Okay, you need something? You need to win a World Cup? Okay, sweet. I'll just uh, I'll take care of that for you. <laughs> it's fucking amazing. Um, yeah, so what a another quick shout-out I want to give is, uh, I mean, 
the thing is, Australia is, I feel like individually, they all played incredibly. The only thing that was missing was a bit of cohesiveness and obviously that errors in the second half. But I want to give a big shout out to RCG. Because like, what's the one thing that, you know, when you're playing Samoa, what's the one thing we all talk about? Fucking big boys, big aggressive boys. They're going to fucking dominate you in the middle, rah, rah. RCG took it off the back fence every time he ran the ball, did not take a backward step, and in my opinion, won nearly every contact he was in. Uh, that's like to take it to a, a Samoan forward pack with Paulo, Papali, uh, Paolo Papali'i, fuck, it's a brave, brave man. And RCG did that without hesitation. Uh, Cam Murray was incredible. I thought Paddy Carrigan had some great impact. Tino, for the small minutes he got, was super impactful, nearly had 10 metres per run. Um yeah, what what an incredible performance! Just uh, quickly on the so we talk about the forty twenty really tough call against Samoa for sure. Um, you know, it, it was a definitely a crucial part in the game. Do I think it would have changed the outcome? No, I don't think so. Do I think also there were a few head highs on Australia that probably got let go at least one or two? I think so. So obviously, as a Samoan fan, I think you probably will be really pissed at the forty twenty not uh, as the incorrect call. But in my opinion, I, I really felt there were calls that we probably could have got. Like, for example, Tedesco, I don't feel he knocked that ball on when we were attacking the line. Um, th- th- so there were, I believe personally, there were calls that could have gone either way that um, I don't think the refing was that bad. I've seen a lot of people talk about the refing. I, I personally don't think. I, the, the call was wrong, and somehow I absolutely should have got that 40 20. But I do think that probably evened itself out over the game. Um, thoughts on that, Gurit? Yeah, I agree with you, mate. I, I like Samoa. They obviously sh- should have got the ball in that play, and it fair. It would have it would have made the game more interesting. I think. I think it would have been really good to see Samoa really put on some pressure early. But uh, uh, for me, there's no doubting that the better team won. So I, I understand people being upset on that play, but I mean, it, it is what it is. There was obviously a lot of talk about uh, the Angus Crichton situation too. I I personally yeah, thought the referees got it right. I, I don't know how much more could have been done on that play. To be honest with you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, I was going to get to that. With the, the Angus Crichton one, what, why are we so quick to be talking about send-offs? Like, what, you used to have to kill a bloke to get sent off. Like, I understand that, you know, Chanel Harris-DeVita, he is no longer in the game. But if we start judging the harshness of penalties by whether the bloke can continue to play or not, it's going to be absolute carnage. Like, they kept playing it in slow-mo. Of course, in slow-mo, it's going to look bad because we're all sitting here thinking, holy shit, he had about 10 seconds to decide whether to put his elbow up or not. That That's the way, like, I think 10 minutes in the bin was fair. I think the two-week suspension, I'm okay, I guess. I probably would have done a week, but whatever. When you watch it in fast motion, it's a, just a straight reaction because you think that you're going to get tackled. Like, there's no malice in it whatsoever. There's no intention to hit him in the face. I thought the the calls for send-off, in my opinion, were outrageous, if I'm being serious. Like, send-offs used to be like fucking Adrian Morley off the fucking back fence, like killing blokes. Now, all of a sudden, raising a quick elbow and it just unfortunately landing right flush on a chin. Put it this way, if that lands like higher up or whatever, I, like I don't, I don't think it's as dramatic. So I, I agree with you, Guru. I think 10 minutes was fine. Absolutely. I believe it absolutely was 10 in the bin for sure. But, like, send-off, like, far out. Uh, Timmy, what do you think about the, the Angus Crichton situation? Yeah, 10 minutes for sure, mate. It was like, it would have been very controversial had he been given nothing, particularly as a result of what happened to, to CHT, which is a very, it was a shame to see him go out of the game in that manner, of course. But a send-off would have been so over the top. It was it was a dead ball. CHT was going towards Crichton. Crichton sort of put his elbow up to defend himself. Um, you nailed it there, Kempi, with the word intent. Was there any intent in it? Anything malicious? Not at all. He went to defend himself. You know, the slower the replay it got, um, the uglier it looked. But, you know, you, you still... It's a, an enormous impact to lose a player 
in for 10 minutes in a game. I think people underappreciate that at times. And occasionally we see, you know, during that period, the other team score or the team who lose the player score and you think, oh, you know, it should have been a worse, should have been a send-off. But 10 minutes without a key player is enormous. So I think they absolutely got that one right. Yeah, so... Um... <clears throat> Uh, yeah, just just some of the I don't know some of the calls over the World Cup interview, some of the camera work. Oi, bro, I don't want to look at Malmeninger's face while there's footy on. <laughs> Put it back to the footy, like fuck me. And like I'm looking at Matt Parrish for fucking twenty minutes while there's a game on. Like, bro. <laughs> Put it onto the footy. Something could happen. I don't want to watch a replay. Like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, seriously, it was driving me mad. Like, look, I love to look at the coaches. Who wants to look at the coaches? Like, what the fuck? There's, uh, here we have a coach doing nothing. Meanwhile, there's a World Cup game on. There's a fucking World Cup game on. What the fuck's going on? Jesus. Made me so mad. Sorry, boys. Had to get that out. I enjoyed it, it mate. I really did. <laughs> <laughs>